0: The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans.
1: Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters, Arlington and Alexandria City. In today's episode, we will have a conversation with Audrey Davis, director of the Alexandria Black History Museum, and Tiffany Posh, the project coordinator for the Alexandria Community Remembrance Project. Join us as we we discuss Alexandria's history of lynching, the Alexandria Remembrance Project and Juneteenth celebrations, as well as how you can get involved. Thank you so much, Audrey and Tiffany, for joining us for our podcast, Finding Perspectives. We're really excited to have this conversation with you. Just wanted to start off with you, Audrey. What is the Alexandria Community Remembrance Project and how did it get started? Oh, sure. Thank you,
2: Krista. The Alexandria Community Remembrance Project uh, started in 2019. And it is a community initiative that is educating Alexandria residents and also visitors about our history of racial terror, hate crimes. And we are working together as a community to create a more welcoming community that we feel will be bound by equity and inclusion. And that's sort of our mission statement for the ACRP. And we really have found that Our work in the last few years has touched so many aspects of Alexandria, our residents, our students, our visitors, and that we have educated them not only about our two lynchings that occurred here in Alexandria, the lynching of Joseph McCoy on April 23rd, uh, 1897, and our lynching of Benjamin Thomas, the remembrance of which is coming up on August 8th, 1899. And we feel that we have educated our community and there's so much more work to do, but we have begun that education process with signage, with programming, uh, with our pilgrimage, but there's a lot more work to do. And so we're really proud to be part of this initiative.
1: I actually attended the, the ceremony and I think it was in October sometime. It was late last year. It was so moving. So I'm really thankful that you all are dedicated to making sure that the lynchings were known and just to try to mobilize the community and all the education that you're doing. Tiffany, what are some of the public programs that you've held?
0: Well, we've held, we hold several different kinds of meetings, I would say. So we have public meetings which generally have a lot of people attend. We've had them initially when we first started was right before COVID. And we had those in person at large venues. And for these events, we have speakers. During COVID, we held these events online and provided speakers that people could listen to and interact with during question and answer periods. And then recently we restarted our public meetings in person again. And those are usually developed around a speaker and a topic of interest that's related to our work. And then we have the remembrance events. You mentioned that you attended one of those. It was likely our soil collection ceremony last year that was at the very end of September. Mm. But we also hold remembrance events on the anniversary of each man's lynching. Mm. And at those, we try to memorialize and commemorate those two victims And then thirdly, we hold workshops and symposiums. So we've had some workshops where our participants learn how to deal with implicit biases, how to discover those, and mainly how to center African-Americans in our lives and conversations and culture and community. And then we also have held a symposium on memorializing and commemorating how to do this like on Duke Street with the different African-American historical events that have happened on that street. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to be having a symposium probably next year, but where we bring together remembrance projects and talk about remembrance work.
2: Excellent.
1: That's great. Alexandra really is a model for, you know, other communities across the nation. I'm hoping more will do the similar work that you have. So, Audrey, can you
2: talk more about the pilgrimage to EJI? Sure, absolutely. The soil collection ceremony that Tiffany was speaking about, which happened on September 24th, was a precursor to our journey to Montgomery, Alabama, and to Selma. And we left Alexandria on October 6th. And we uh, we had our trips from the 6th through the 10th in Montgomery, Alabama. And it was uh, the number of people who came, we had 165 people who joined us on the pilgrimage to deliver our soil, the soil jars for Joseph McCoy and Benjamin Thomas. And it was such a moving experience. And those 165 people represented not only city residents, students from the Alexandria City High School, faculty from the school, members of the school board. We had our mayor, our city manager, some members of council. It was a really, really moving pilgrimage those days that we spent. They were incredibly busy. We toured all over Montgomery. We, of course, went to the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, but we started our pilgrimage with the soil transfer ceremony that we had at the Legacy Annex, which was the former official museum. For EJI before they opened the legacy the larger legacy museum space and we made history in Montgomery being the first group municipality to deliver their soil and have an official ceremony not only with our city officials but officials from EJI and from Visit Montgomery. Even more moving we had the descendants of Joseph McCoy's family with us and they assisted in the soil jar transfer to the members of the EJI staff so I think our Participants have said that it was really a life-changing trip. I certainly felt that way. And when we concluded our trip in Selma by walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, after spending time with civil rights activists like Joanne Bland, in Selma. It was just, people were in tears. I mean, it was really, truly a life-changing event that helped us reflect not only on our journey as a city, but the work that still needs to be done, and the work that needs to be done to support places like Montgomery, to support EJI, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, all of the historic sites that are both in Montgomery and Selma. And we hope that it's the start of a, a future collaboration or continuing collaboration. With the residents of Montgomery.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Tiffany, you know, I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that there were lynchings in Alexandria. Can you talk more about the history of lynching in the US and in Alexandria specifically? Sure.
0: EJI has documented more than 6,500 lynchings, those happened between the end of the Civil War and 1950 there were at least 99 in virginia i believe 11 in northern virginia and then we have the two in alexandria and these didn't just happen to one person and their family these these experiences were affected the entire African-American community in the location where they happened, and even sometimes outside of that location when they were written about in the press and people could read about those, it was a very traumatic experience, caused a lot of fear, and it had sustaining power. On the flip side, it encouraged and endorsed this idea in the white community that they were superior and that A lot of impoverished whites especially came to really believe that, which had an equally long-lasting effect. Mm -hmm. In Alexandria, our first lynching happened in 1897 to a young man named Joseph McCoy. And he was killed on April 23rd after his employer accused him of being inappropriate with his eight-year-old daughter. And it was a very tragic, he did, according to authorities, confessed to the crime, but he never had a trial. I mean, he was killed within hours of being accused. The second lynching happened just two years later, and that one happened to a 16-year-old young man who was the next door neighbor to his accuser. The next door neighbor, little girl, she was seven years old, was sent over to the house to pick up something that had been borrowed and came running home crying and screaming and saying that she had been attacked by the next door neighbor. And so Benjamin Thomas was arrested and he made it through one night in the city. He was in the police station because more than a hundred African-American Alexandria men tried to protect him. Mm. They went to the police and said, we heard there could be a lynching. We don't want to see what happened two years ago happen. We would like more protection for Mm. Benjamin Thomas. And they denied that. There's some news reports that say they also went to the mayor who denied them that. But they stayed out and around town and, you know, kept an eye on the police station that night until the police chased them away and then arrested the ringleaders who they were considering the ringleaders and they tried them the next morning and most of them were fined and sent to the chain gang because they couldn't pay for their fines mm-hmm. there was also a short hearing for Benjamin Thomas at that day, but he did not have an opportunity to advocate for himself or have someone advocate for him. And he was sent to the city jail, ostensibly for safekeeping. And that night he was lynched by a mob of white people. We think between, there's different news reports, but between 500 and 2000 people participated in that. And it was particularly gruesome. We know he would likely been found innocent, And he was definitely innocent of the charge had they gone to trial. And this lynch mob took him all the way down St. Nassif Street from Princess, dragging him along the cobblestones and then turned down to King Street. And he was hanged at the corner of King and Fairfax Street. But he actually died from bullets, not the hanging itself.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really hard to hear you tell the story and especially when you tell the story with the landmarks that we know so well today in the city of Alexandria. At the soil collection ceremony, I think it was even more difficult to hear when you had you kind of recounting the stories and the history. So thank you so much for providing that background. So to both Audrey and Tiffany, what are some of the goals that you have for this project, and what are some of the outcomes you'd like to see? It looks like you've done so much work, so much great, impactful work over the past few years. Where would you like for this project to be in the future?
2: I mean, I think certainly, you know, we have our mission that we do want to make a more welcoming uh, community bound by equity and inclusion. And I think that includes not only the work that we're doing, but the work that they're doing with the Office on Equity in the city of Alexandria. Right around the time that the pandemic started, the city hired uh, Jacqueline Tucker, who's our first race and equity officer for the city. So there's a lot of work that's been going on there that they're doing and demographics and mapping and looking at areas that need assistance in the city, looking at housing. The Office on Housing has been doing their own work with equity. So I think us all coming together, to hopefully be more collaborative in the future would be one of our goals and to share more of the information through our programming. But I also think that one of the things for us with ACRP is that this year we are working on looking at transformative justice and what that means for a community. And I think also with our work with ACRP, people are now beginning to come to us and also share information with us. So there may be other goals that we don't know about yet that we may find out about from the city and the residents and what they see is a need. And Tiffany, if you want to weigh in on what you see as some of your goals that are important as our ACRP coordinator.
0: Yeah. Everything you said, Audrey, plus I would say You know, we have a lot of people, majority who went on the pilgrimage, but others who are still part of, there are a lot of people that are part of ACRP weren't able to go on the pilgrimage and they still participate and they're interested in kind of creating a ground level, like grassroots more community engagement and working on how do we come together and have some of the harder conversations that will really move our community forward. And that group has spent some time over this past winter learning how to have those conversations and they wanna continue that work and continue to invite more people in to learn that as well so that we can come to have conversations in the future that could impact the way the city does things, but also just the way we all live together here.
1: That's really important. Over the past few months, a lot of us have heard more people saying or questioning whether DEI is just a fad after the the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, government officials have made comments about what diversity is and what diversity isn't. And so I think it is so, it's just, it's so encouraging, if I could use that word, to hear Alexandria really connecting the history and making sure people understand the history and connecting that with. The work that you're trying to do, move the community forward. So I think that's wonderful. So is there, Audrey, is there any intersection with the work that you all do with Juneteenth? And can you, can you talk more about, obviously, Juneteenth is now a holiday, but can you explain more about what it is and how Alexandria has chosen to commemorate that day?
2: Sure. Well, I think most people now know that on June 17th, 2021, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. Uh, when President Joseph Biden signed that into law. And so we now celebrate Juneteenth as a federal holiday. But Juneteenth dates back to 1865. And it is the year, June 19th in 1865, when Major General Gordon Granger announced in Galveston, Texas, that uh, emancipation has arrived for the enslaved in Texas. And this is two years after most enslaved people were freed And so this was when you talk about Juneteenth and the founders of Juneteenth often say it that none of us are free until all of us are free. And I think that when you think about Juneteenth and I think it's very movingly put in the official proclamation about Juneteenth from the White House, that it's a day to both reflect on bondage and freedom and it's a day of both pain and purpose. And I think that's where it intersects with our work with acrp our work is about pain and purpose and our work with the acrp is about reflection and so our acrp work influences a lot of our historical work and vice versa and i think that you see that with what we do in our department the office of historic alexandria the way we are trying to rid ourselves of Often what is called legacy language when we talk about slavery and the enslaved, how we put the voice of the enslaved person to the forefront, to we try to move their experience to the front instead of the experience of the people who enslaved them. So you're seeing that change in how we interpret African-American history. This year for Juneteenth, you will find our schedule on the Office of Historic Alexandria's uh, uh, website. You can also link to it through the Black History webpage. We will have storytelling at both the Beatley Library and also at the Black History Museum. Storytelling starting at the Beatley Library on June 10th, and then again on Monday, June 19th at the Black History Museum. We will have special hours on Juneteenth for not only the Alexandria Black History Museum, which is normally closed on Mondays, but also for our Freedom House site, where you can visit and see three floors in the building about African-American history, from the domestic slave trade to Black achievement. And we will also conclude Juneteenth at 2 p.m. on Market Square with a concert by the Washington Rebels Jubilee Voices, who will be doing a selection of songs, historical songs, relating to both freedom, emancipation, and the celebration of the African-American spirit. That's wonderful.
1: That sounds like the perfect way (laughs) to celebrate Juneteenth. So, Tiffany, you know, we've talked a little bit about how some of the elected officials were involved with the soil collection ceremony and going to the pilgrimage to EJI. A lot of our listeners, obviously, were the League of Women Voters, and a lot of our listeners are really interested in how all of this possibly intersects with policy. I know, Audrey, you also mentioned, you know, some of the goals in terms of housing policy, some things that could be changed. But is there anything else you have to add, Tiffany, in terms of how all of this intersects with policy and anything else about how our elected officials have been engaged?
0: Well, I'm going to start with the elected officials. ACRP was actually set up by city council. So the steering committee has members of different departments from the government in it as well as citizens and faith leaders but the elected officials established the alexandria community remembrance project so it is actually part of the city's work and Mm -hmm. it is done through it is administered through the office of historic alexandria Mm -hmm. in addition to that which just shows the city council's commitment to this work and i think that's really important to recognize in addition the at our different remembrance events, the Commonwealth attorney, the mayor, the sheriff and the police chief have all apologized for their predecessors Mm. actions and inactions when Joseph McCoy and Benjamin Thomas were lynched. Mm. They have made public apologies and this has been captured in video and in proclamations that have been passed by the city council that have been read and that are available to read for all time, either online or in the library. And I think that's really, really important part of our community healing. So in addition to that, um, I would say as far as the intersection, other than really what ACRP does is truth tell so that you can have a foundation and then working on these through these workshops and the different lectures and events, trying to create a foundation of people as well to support the work, the policy work that could happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But we don't actually advocate or write policy.
1: Got it. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. And so finally, Audrey and Tiffany, what is the best way for community members to get involved with this project?
2: Well, we hope that they will visit our ACRP website often for updates about our Remembrance Program. Uh, We hope they will sign up on the website for our newsletter, the ACRP newsletter. Tiffany edits the newsletter, and it's a great resource for things that are happening in the community and a great resource for African-American history. And then if they're looking at the website, they can see when public meetings are occurring, and we would love to have them join us uh, and to be a part of our public meetings. They are more than welcome to see what the work that we're doing and to work with with us. And also, if they have questions, they can reach out to us, both Tiffany, myself, and Gretchen Bulova, who's the other co-chair with me of the steering committee, they can reach out to us uh, personally as well.
0: Yeah, and I would encourage people, we write about in the newsletter what the upcoming committee meetings are, and we also have a write-up of what Happened at the past ones. Anybody can come to any of the committee meetings. They're, you know, welcome to come. Steering committee is set, but you can come and just be, you know, participate as a member of the public. But any of the other committees are open and they're volunteer. So anybody can join us. And then also, I would say, you know, as Audrey did, pay attention and come to our different events. We, I want to just, if it's okay, it's a long address, but I'd like to just provide people with the address for the Alexandria Community Remembrance Project. Mm -hmm. It's alexandriava.gov backslash cultural-history backslash alexandria-community-remembrance-project.
1: Excellent. Thank you. So thank you both so much for having this conversation today. I'm really hoping that we can learn from the past as a community. And I think with efforts and dedication like yours, not only in Alexandria in this area, but across the nation, we can really move past and be the country that I think that we were founded to really be. So thank you both so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, well, thank you for having us.
1: Yes, thank you for having us. We enjoyed participating. Thank you for listening to Finding Perspectives. As we work to preserve democracy, we hope that this conversation encouraged you to reflect on how far we have come as a community, but yet how far we have to go. For more information about the League of Women Voters, Arlington and Alexandria City, visit my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington. Follow us on Facebook at LWV Arlington or Instagram at L-W-V-A-R-L-A-L-E-X City or Twitter at L-W-V-Arlington VA.